We got him on the phone. Hey, congratulations. You know how critical this big sale was to get momentum into the fall. He then said, what did it take to land that client? And then he just was quiet and it was crazy. Hello and welcome to The Melting Pot. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. The Melting Pot is a result of my hunger and curiosity for optimizing business performance, exploring corporate culture, customer addiction, and building high-performing teams. It's full of advice from my guests, entrepreneurs, fellow business authors, and examples from some of my work over the last few years, coaching the CEOs and leadership teams of some amazingly successful tech firms. The Melting Pot is my attempt to synthesize what I've learned along the way, to help you build a highly scalable business and realize the potential of your life's work. If you enjoy the episode, head over to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast to find today's show notes and more editions of The Melting Pot. While you're there, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can pick up a copy of my new book, Plan B, How to Scale Your Technology Business Faster and Achieve Plan A. Enjoy. Hello. This is the first in an episode of specials from the summit that we ran in the summer. So as the schools were getting ready to go back and it looked like things were going to go back to normal, at Monkhouse and Company, we took the decision to run a summit. We had eight fantastic speakers. Six of them ran amazing workshops. It was 27 degrees in the sunshine down on the farm in Wiltshire. 50 odd people were here. It was an amazing day of sharing and learning. And for some people, it was the first time they'd really got back in touch with other human beings since since the lockdown. And now what we're doing is we're taking those, not the workshops, but the eight talks that were given, sort of TED style, 20 minutes on the stage. We're taking those talks and we're pushing them out one by one on YouTube and here on the podcast as well. So the first one is from Vern Harnish. Uh, Vern is uh, the growth guy, the, the author of Rockefeller Habits and Scaling Up, a guy who I think changed my life. Without those books, my success at Rackspace and Pier One would have been much less likely. And uh, he was good enough to beam in from his home studio in Boulder, Colorado, and give us 20 minutes of, wow, what he'd seen working with coaches and companies and CEOs during lockdown and, and emerging from lockdown and preparing for a great 2021. Enjoy Vern's words of brilliance. And what we've done is, is uh, you might want to take notes, but actually uh, Katie has done a fantastic job on the show notes. So you can see those over at monkhouseandcompany.com. Enjoy. Vern, over to you. Good. Thank you so much. Yeah, first of all, it's such an honor to be able to zoom in here with Dom. As you know, absolutely huge fan. Uh, the early Rackspace leadership were in my MIT program, and I was lucky to get some friends and family stock and get to see that go up 15x. And so, Dom, unbelievable work with Rackspace. <laughs> I exited that thing for, for $7 billion. So anyway, you know, at the very beginning of this crisis, uh, we hosted a couple of top leaders. One, Greg Brenneman. Greg's the top turnaround guy. He's on the board of Home Depot. He turned around Continental Airlines from worst first in like two months. And he said something important, that great leaders absorb fear 
and exude hope. And that's what we have to continue to do, I think, as we see kind of a second wave. And what that absolutely means is we've got a plan for the worst. I have told my team, hey, maybe not till 2022, but let's also really hope for the best and, and go for that, which was why we hosted Margaret Heffernan, the great UK author, uh, former top 100 software CEO. And she said at the very beginning of this crisis to be ambitious. And so we're, we've got one of the most ambitious uh, SaaS offerings that we are out building out half a million raised, then 5 million, then we'll do the 50 million. Uh, this is the time for us to really make these moves and create new space within our own industry, which I'm going to come back to. And it, it really is, I think, a mindset. Research is clear. If you see the glass is half full versus half empty, those who see it as half full, any way you want to measure success are. And the good news is it's not half full or half empty. It's three quarters full. Uh, if you look at last year's global GDP, it was 88 trillion. If the whole thing collapses by 25% globally, it still puts us at 66 trillion. And I want to give you a perspective. That 66 trillion is still twice what it was in the year 2000 at 33 trillion. So look, I think if you can't find a million or a billion out of that, it's really our mindset that we need to focus on. And so I don't know, some folks have had to scale up, others have had to scale down, but we know one thing, everyone has to continue to scale forward. So I wanna share some ideas. Uh, we just hosted uh, live an event at EO Orange County uh, last week. And I then had a CEO bootcamp here in Estes Park. So it's good that you're together live. We've been together live with teams as well. So first, a couple of what I might call hacks. Uh, first thing, let me just say to the CEOs who are in the room, uh, how critical it is, whether it's in a crisis or ongoing, that you formally communicate every week to all of your employees, what you're thinking, what's happening, how you're doing on your priorities. Since I've known Michael Dell, his second year in business, every Friday, he sends out an email to all of his employees uh, worldwide, and he just gives them an update, what he's thinking, what are they working on, things they may have heard in the news. Greg Brenneman and turning around Continental Airlines, his was a voicemail message he sent out every Friday. Again, just updating the team. How are we doing on our on-time performance? What were some successes of certain teams? What he's thinking about as the president of Continental Airlines. Mark Zuckerberg has always had every Friday Q&A with Mark. And it's a live one-hour event that any Facebook employee can, you know, Facebook in or be there live. By the way, they've recently moved that to 5 p.m. Thursday so that they can reach their global audience uh, by Friday. Even the Google voice, up until they just stepped down, had what they call TGIF. Thank God it's Friday communication. And Dom, as you know, we do the same thing. John Ratliff, who heads up our global coaching organization every Wednesday, communicates out, you know, what he's thinking, what he's saying. And then I send a note out to our coaching organization. They're really our team every Friday. Just, I call it where's Vern. You know, what I'm doing, I let them know I'm going to be beaming in for Dom's event. So first, I hope all of you in this room as the top leader have some kind of a weekly communication. Number two, I was so excited to hear that Justin flew over. I'm a huge fan of his sales techniques and the lot. And as you guys know, sales has radically changed in the last few months. I, not to take anything away from 
uh, your sales organizations, but really the last dozen years, we've had wind to our back. And now it's really complex, even in what might be the simplest sale in order to land that deal. So I want to share a second hack that has really, I think, helped the CEOs and their teams more than almost any idea. And that is how critical it is to drive all sales communication through synchronous communication, not asynchronous communication. Now, what does that mean? So a couple of Thursdays ago, we had a CEO from the PE firm, K1. Uh, they send all of the CEOs to the camp that they invest in. They've, they've now acquired about 100 companies, raised another $4 billion in the crisis. And they're all small to mid-sized companies uh, like ours. And the CEO knew that there was this key reference client that they wanted to land. And they needed this in order to really power through the fall. And so, as you know what happens, you end up having the Zoom call or, if you're lucky, the face-to-face -face meeting. And essentially, the deal has been decided. Now they simply say, send over the paperwork, send over the contract, send over the proposal. And then how many times have you noticed that the other party, it just goes dark. They don't return your email. They won't return your phone call or Zoom call. Something happened where the deal went dark. And we know what happened. Because in your informal conversations leading up to the proposal or the contract, you didn't describe and discuss every line item. And we as humans are geared to look for the worst. That's why we really advise, seriously, ignore the news. I put it out in my weekly insight last week. People who watch the news are depressed. Uh, and we're going to come back to what you've got to do instead. But anyway, people are geared to look for the worst. So they're going to pour through that proposal. They're going to pour through that contract. And they're going to get down to line item 41.27. And it's something that irritates them. And now that's why the thing's gone dark. So instead, as Victoria Medbeck recommends, you never, ever, 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 ever email a proposal or contract over without a human being being attached to it. And what did that mean? He was at our CEO boot camp on a Thursday. His team was getting ready to email the proposal out, uh, just kind of finalize the deal. We said, no. See, the only thing you should do is schedule a time to get him on the phone and walk him through the contract. Uh, and, the only, and you email it like one minute before. So he said, all right, I'm going to do it. He got it set up for 8.30 Friday morning, 30 minutes before we were going to start. And we're all at breakfast and we want to like watch this thing live. And sure enough, uh, he gets on the call. He's walking the person through all the line items in the proposal. And there was an issue that could have got the whole deal stuck that he was synchronously able to negotiate and deal with immediately. And so he gets off the call. He's like, whoa, that worked, probably saved the deal. And we said, look, you're not, it's not done. Because what's going to happen next is sometime later today, Friday, over the weekend or Monday, this significant client is going to email you a question. And the absolute worst thing your salespeople could do is answer that question via email. The only thing you should email back is how quick can we get on a call to discuss? And he said, sure enough, Vern, just as you described over the weekend, the client asked me this question. It seemed innocuous, but the only thing I mailed back is how quick can we get on a call to discuss? He said it was Tuesday morning following the boot camp. And sure enough, by getting on a call, that question had deeper issues behind it 
And instead of getting 20 seconds of attention in an email, he got 20 minutes. And in the process of addressing that question, he was able to increase the length of that contract from three years to five years, and he was able to upsell another 10%. That added value to that contract ended up making it the biggest single deal they were able to land since the beginning of this crisis. So that's hack number two, drive all communications with your existing customers where you're renewing them and with uh, new customers. If there's a proposal or contract involved, even in, in retail, make sure that you, make, you have a human attached to it. Now, here's your third hack. And this happened to one of the other CEOs at the bootcamp. They also had just learned that they had landed. Business is starting to come back. I hope it is for you as well, or maybe never left. They just landed their biggest deal since the crisis. And it was done by one of their top salespeople. Now, here's the mistake we as leaders make. And this is probably the biggest hint I ever picked up for both my children as a parent and the teams that I lead. Once you hear good news, the worst thing you could do is get them on the phone or get the team together and say, look, congratulations. This was a key win. I know you did it through a lot of hard work and perseverance and teamwork. And I just want to thank the team. You got to know as you're saying that there are people on your team rolling their eyes. They're like, you don't have a clue what it took for us to land this. There wasn't any teamwork. It was me staying up till two o'clock in the morning, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> So instead, here is the most powerful question I've ever learned as a parent and as a leader. You hear good news from your daughter, uh, which I did, Jade, uh, who Dom has met, my 17-year-old. The most important thing you could say is, is, sweetheart, that's fantastic. How did you do it? That's the question. I want you to write it down. How did you do it? And then you let her relive what it took and what she went through and had to put together and, and the pain. And so we said, all right, CEO, we want you to do the same. Now, this is lunch on Friday. We love kind of listening in on these calls real time. And so we're sitting there at lunch. She said, look, I'm going to call the salesperson who landed this deal. And I want you guys all to listen in. So he did just that. I don't remember the guy's name, but got him on the phone. Hey, congratulations. You know how critical this big sale was to get momentum into the fall. He then said, what did it take to land that client? And then he just was quiet. And it was crazy how the salesperson just relived all that he had to go through and persevere. And there became this one stuck point and he got over that. And, and the only thing he regretted, and that's why it's good to do this like in a sales meeting or a team meeting, is you want the rest of your salespeople to hear what this salesperson did to land the deal. What you have to understand is the research is clear. We care more for our peers than we do our boss. We will work harder for our peers than we do our boss. We care, we learn more from our peers than we do our boss. And so your job as the leader is to recognize that and take advantage of it. And when you're in any kind of a celebration, it's how many minutes does everybody else talk and share back and forth? Hey, we said we were going to do this. I mean, we'd say we were here. We said we we're going to do this. We did it. How did you do it? 
And then you know Margaret loves to talk. And so Margaret, I was hearing from someone what your team did, share that and get the conversation started. And all you do is orchestrate. So hopefully those three hacks, the importance of the CEO communicating out formally every week, I don't care if it's a voicemail, email, video, or you're willing to do it live with your team. Number two, make sure you drive all communication, particularly when it's trying to drive and close a sale through synchronous communication, including the questions afterwards. And then number three, this powerful question, sweetheart or salesperson, how did you do it? How did you land that sale? And then you just shut up and let the conversation uh, carry on. Now, three other, or maybe four other quick ideas. If we go to scaling up or scalingforward.com. So I want you to write down that URL. Our, our main website, scalingup.com. But we put up a site called scalingforward.com. And there you're going to see what we consider the four P's of scaling forward. So I just want to touch on each one of them briefly. First, people. Right now is an opportunity to be ambitious with the relationships that you're able to bolt on to your organization. And so we pursued a relationship with Harvard. We have all this online executive education, and there's no way in the past 12 years I could have got even Harvard's attention. We cut a deal in this crisis where now those who complete our Master of Business Dynamics and our Scaling Up Master Program, uh, which we're running now in the UK, receives a Harvard Master Certificate. Who are some of the key relationships, people, influencers, that you should reach out right now, whose attention you probably can get, that you can bring into the fold of your organization. And right now is an unbelievable time to grab talent for you to be able to bolster your internal teams and those that you work with because of this pandemic. So first, really go after and up your game in the relationships that you're gonna surround your business with. And be sure to know who are the top 225 to 250 customers and get engaged and reaching out to them. And, and I wanna suggest that in wars and in markets, the key to winning both is Intel. Whoever has the best Intel, firsthand Intel, has always won. I, can, I consider intelligence really the, the oldest profession on the planet. And so that's why I've suggested the single most important key performance indicator of every leader in the room is how much talk time. You can't think your way through this. You have to talk your way through. And I hope you're just burning up uh, your cell phone batteries and your time getting this talk time with your key list of customers, distribution uh, channel partners, whoever is that would be top 250 list that really powers your business moving forward. I talk to one of our coaching partners every single week, and it really gives me insight to what's happening out there in the field real time versus what I'm going to read on the news. So that's really the key around people. Around strategy, it's this importance, I think, of building or rebuilding your brand. And this is an opportunity to create a new category in your industry. So for us, we know that crises always launch new businesses. CNN was launched in the Gulf War. And we know, for instance, that this COVID mess 
has really put distance learning on the forefront. Uh, my youngest, Quinn, is doing complete distance learning until October 5th when they're going to let him somewhat back into the classroom. And so distance learning tends to be a category. We've created a new one called near learning. We actually consider Peloton. And if you've seen that company has just exploded within this crisis, I consider that a near learning experience like this. Um, TED Talks feel distant. You know, they're three camera produced. You feel far from the speaker and the content is old. Here with near learning, I feel near to you. I can see you, you can see me. I'm looking at you uh, like a Peloton trainer. And what I'm sharing with you is just, you know, like a couple of weeks old since we had our CEO bootcamp. And so we've created a category called near learning. What's a new category you can pioneer in your industry coming out of this crisis? So that's strategy. Execution, there we think the key, uh-oh, I hear some construction. Um, sorry about that. I'm actually in my offices here. Um, anyway, with execution, the key is this is the time to clean house and really tighten up process. And again, Justin came to you really tightening up your sales process. You have an absolute opportunity to really drive everything around one word. And if I were to actually summarize strategy and execution, it would be the word easy. I mean, the reason we've got the wealthiest guy on the planet next to Putin, which is Jeff Bezos at Amazon, that's supposed to be a joke, the whole Putin thing. <laughs> is, uh, you guys are allowed to laugh. Um, is they obsess every Monday, because I know Jeff Wilkie, the other Jeff, on one word, which is what do we have to do to make it even easier for people to get what it is they want and for our packaging to be easier on the environment. I think from a strategy and execution perspective, your focus should revolve over, around one word. What do we have to do to be easier to do business with, for our app to be easier? I just got an Aura ring, and it's crazy how easy it was just to download the app on my phone. It automatically found the ring connected and downloaded personal data when I gave it permission, and I was off and running. If you have something that's not easy, you're dead on arrival. So can people easily find your website, easily do business with, with you, easily figure out uh, how to order, how to get the service? And ultimately, the job of your product and service is to make their job or life easier. So the same internally with your employees. Look, if the job of your company is to make the lives of others easy, then your job as a leader is to make your employees' lives and jobs easy. And so that's where you wanna go in and clean out your process messes. We'll give you one hint there and then we'll wrap up. Um, my partner, girlfriend, Deborah, is in the mortgage business. It is, she's been crazily busy because of the, the unbelievably low rates. And what's interesting is her industry really involves having such specialization that 15 different people have to touch a particular mortgage file to get it to close. In this pandemic, she has decided, you know what? Everyone's so slammed, I'm gonna learn the whole process myself. And now all of a sudden her workload has dropped dramatically. There's, there's one moment where something needs to be uploaded that only takes 10 seconds. But 
this specialist would have it in a queue and it might take six hours for that 10 second thing to happen. In the meantime, Deborah's client has called or emailed her three times. She's, she's probably had to address an hour worth of, you know, delayed responses because this one 10 second thing had not been handled by the specialist who does just that. So I want you to think about special op, special forces teams. Any one of those special forces can do any one of the other people's job. That's where we're going in the 21st century. Less people touching something moving forward. Last, when it comes to cash, the key there is price. And I just want to recommend that you go to our dear friend Herman Simon's book, Beat the Crisis, a great title and book he wrote out of the last recession, very applicable to today. So I want you to get your Kindle app out because Kindle makes it easy. I want you to look up the book, Beat the Crisis, right here on your device. I'll go to my Kindle app. And, and then I want you to read chapter six. Chapter six outlines seven pricing strategies that you should be using here right now, as opposed to just dropping price as a way to really power through, because price will do more in order to drive both profitability, revenue, and cash than any other single uh, piece of advice. Last, about a year and a half ago, about two years ago now, this month, Harvard Business Review did an article called Good, Better, Best Pricing. And it's a very, so just Google, Good, Better, Best, or Dom will send you the link. And it's going to outline how, whether it's retailers or business to business, those that are moving to a good, better, best. In, in this case, at the very end of the article, as I started with Michael Dell and his weekly communication, let me end. At Dell EMC, they moved to a good, better, best pricing strategy when they were offering after-sales service instead of a single price. And by doing that, their revenue only jumped 300%. And so I want you to up your game in price. So summarize, people go grab talent and relationships. Under strategy, this is a chance for you to create a new brand or category. Under execution, it's process, process, process. Everything really resolved around, revolving around how do we make things easier for everybody. And then last, under cash, a great way to drive it is, get, is up your game in pricing. So, Dom, hopefully there's a pony in there that's helpful to the crowd. <laughs> ben, thank you very much. Again. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you'd be kind enough to leave a review, it will really help other like-minded entrepreneurs find this podcast and grow our community. For all information relating to this episode, you can go to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find some cracking show notes, additional reading and links relating to our guest. There you can also find my blog and past episodes of my subjectively not crap newsletter, where I'll update you on the best articles I read that week, some recommended books and other podcasts. Thanks, and I will see you next week.